is happening, everybody? I am John Mossy, and I am a fitness psychologist. In the future, we'll be joined by my co-host, Zach Lewis, and we are the Agents of Change. We've got... ...an amazing show ahead for you. Uh, we're doing this remotely. Zach is up in Ohio and Springboro, and I'm coming at you from Tampa, Florida. And we are so excited to finally get this podcast off the ground. We've got a lot of different directions coming for you. And it's going to be absolutely splendid because a lot of folks are trying to get fit. It's You see it everywhere. It's all over online. And there's a lot of great nutrition programs out there. I hate the word diet because our goal is to get you doing lifestyle and have this be an everyday thing. It's, I know it's cliche. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. But it's true. We don't want to have temporary results. We want to get results. We want to keep them. And so there are a lot of great nutrition programs out there. There are a lot of splendid exercise programs out there. But but the thing is, without the mindset component, and that's going to be our key here, without the mindset component, you are dead in the water. You're not going to get off the ground. And there are tons of limiters out there that we all have. And a lot of those limiters are self-imposed, so it's really a matter of digging in and getting inside your mind and really confronting those limiters. It might be the way you're setting your goals. It might be a lack of self-worth. It might be you're procrastinating. You're wanting to be a you know perfectionist. And we will delve into all those. Uh, you might have some deep-seated issues that are getting in the way. And we've got some interesting guests that are going to be coming on and uh, showing you just exactly how much you can get in your own way mentally when it comes to your physical prowess. And so, Zach, my brother, I'm glad to have you with me. And uh, Zach is my boy. We met this past spring at the Faster Way to Fat Loss conference. We are both coaches for the Faster Way to Fat Loss, which is an amazing program developed by Amanda Tress right here in Tampa Bay. And... It's a program that involves whole food nutrition, carb cycling. Long story short, you have some days that you do very low carb days, a la keto, and some other days where you cycle back to having you know, 45 or 50% carbs. And so you have your body getting a chance to refuel and not a lot of steady state cardio. If you want to get ripped, you need to lift heavy objects, you need to do weight training. And you need to do HIIT workout, H-I-I-T, stands for High Intensity Interval Training. So you can do Tabata workouts, lots of intense workouts for you know, 20 seconds on, 10 off, so to speak. Really doing some great muscle building cardio. And so um, yeah, Faster Way to Fat Loss has been a great program for the both of us. I've enjoyed being a coach and it's really renewed my love for physical fitness and as a clinical psychologist during my day job, it, I just am enamored by the idea of melding the two concepts when it comes to physical fitness and uh, being a psychologist because mindset is such a key component of this. And if you can eliminate the mindset factors that are getting in your way, there's nothing that's going to be able to stop you. There's going to be nothing impossible and you are going to be able to thrive. You're going to get ripped. You're going to get healthy and you're going to have better labs and everything else, and you're going to go to the doctor, and your doctor is going to be absolutely fucking thrilled when he looks at you and sees 
changes in your heart rate and your blood pressure in your labs. And so we've got some awesome, awesome material ahead. I'm going to be helping you guys figure out ways, you know, learn ways to build different skills. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of skills when it comes to performance and athletes, these skills, the same skills apply to when you're trying to work out and perform. And we've got some great guests in the upcoming weeks. We've got Stan Graham, who is the creator of Elements Meals. And Elements Meals, If you'll be hearing me talk about these all along because these are revolutionary. You're taking food that's been harvested within hours of the kill or the pick, um, meats and vegetables, fruits, and they're being flash frozen and then freeze dried. And so when they're freeze-dried, just hours afterwards, you are sealing in all the nutritional density and the goodness and the taste and everything else. So long story short, you're getting farm-to-table in a bag. And so Stan's got an amazing story. He's an amazing athlete himself. And so he's coming in the upcoming weeks. We got Sean Hopper coming your way as well. Sean is a, an amazing folk guitarist here in the Tampa Bay area and... The, the music that you heard at the start, that's compliments of Sean Hopper. Absolutely phenomenal guitarist, uh, both electric and acoustic. And that music that you heard on the intro, that's all him. And he's playing that all at the same time. And he's using his guitar, not just to p- pick the strings, but he's using the sides of the guitar and other parts of it as his percussion instrument. So he can play about three different uh, levels of music uh at the same time and so and he's got a very interesting story to tell uh just an overall good dude and uh entertaining as can be whenever he's playing here in, in Tampa Bay area and other areas uh a lot throughout the country a very very accomplished musician and with an amazing story to tell so i am so looking forward to having you guys be a part of this we're all on a journey together Zach's on a fitness journey. I'm on a fitness journey. We are both doing 75 hard, which if you haven't heard of it, if you want a way to really jumpstart your fitness, you need to do this. Why? Yes, is a physically challenging workout. It's developed, uh, uh, actually not just a workout, physically challenging program. And with this challenge, you have to do two workouts a day of 45 minutes duration each. You have to... Have one of them be outside. You have to follow a diet, any diet with no cheap meals, and you are not allowed to have any booze. And you have to read 10 pages a day. You have to drink a gallon of water a day, and you have to take a daily progress selfie so you can see the progress. Let me tell you, if you do this program and you do it right, you will notice drastic changes and drastic changes fast. If if you're taking pictures every day and there's not much change after a couple weeks or whatnot, you're doing something wrong. You're cheating because when you do this program, like Andy says, there should be drastic change. And so it's been rewarding for me. I've dumped a lot of weight. and But the most important part of this challenge is it is a mindset challenge. It will enhance your mental toughness. It will make you realize what it really takes to satisfy and get to the next level because we all want to level the fuck up. So, 75 hard, look it up. Um, Andy Frisella on the MFCEO project has a, a podcast about it. It was inspired by the Iron Cowboy who is a triathlete and did 50 fucking Ironmans in 50 days. I mean, 
I've done three Ironmans in my lifetime, and each one of them just about spent me for a couple weeks to a month afterwards. And this guy's doing 50 and 50 days, so just a lot of greatness out there, and just really being able to delve into the mindset. So you know that triggered Andy to develop the 75 hard challenge. So you got to have 75 straight days with all those criteria I talked about with the two 45-minute workouts, one outside, the gallon of water, the reading 10 pages a day, following diet, no booze, 75 straight days. And if you fuck up one day, if you don't meet any of those criteria, you go back to the beginning. And so absolutely, positively, an amazing experience so far. I'm three weeks in. I'm on day 22. I started it actually three weeks ago today. I feel clear. My mind has never been so sharp. I am motivated as fuck. And feeling absolutely incredible without all that shit in my body. And so this is absolutely an exciting time for us. And I can't wait to share so much amazing content that's really going to help everybody in the future. And really help you get over the mental health health hump, the mental hump to reach your fitness goals. Uh, You guys... Wherever you are right now, I don't care if you are 400 pounds and overweight and sitting on your couch with a bag of Cheetos. I don't care if you are an elite athlete who is just a sliver from reaching the pinnacles of success. Everybody can benefit from this show. Everybody has a chance to improve. You can always better your best. And But the, the, the big thing here is to be able to, you know, be able to formulate good goals to continue to find your motivation, to find your fucking why. You know, and if you find your why, then regardless of what the road is ahead of you, you're going to have a reason to come back again and again and again and again. And that's what I want to see happen for you. This is going to be absolutely tremendous. Back when I was in graduate school, I had the privilege of going to the Cleveland area to see one of the most prominent uh, sports psychologists speak, and, and his name is Dr. Jack Lessig. And uh, one of the best things I learned from there was he, basically he talked about nine important skills, uh, mental skills that successful athletes have. And you can transfer this because we're not just going to be talking about how to meet your fitness goals. Uh, some of our fitness goals are going to have to do with performance. And so we're also going to talk about some of the mental factors. Uh, I mentioned Sean Hopper earlier. Uh, and when you hear his story, there's, there were some mental factors that were getting in the way of his performance and his ability to play his guitar. And it happened very suddenly. And uh, it was very mysterious, but I don't want to uh, give away the show on that. But we're going to talk about things that affect your performance, things that keep you from being able to adhere to a program and a lifestyle that's going to keep you healthy. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about these, uh, these skills. The first of them being is to maintain a positive attitude. You know, long story short, there's two types of people. There's people that think they can and people that think they can't. They can't. And so both of them are correct. If you've ever heard the concept of what a self-fulfilling prophecy is, it's, I mean, it, it, it happens all the time and, and basically – what we think about somebody or something or what's going to happen makes us behave in a way that makes it come true. If we think negatively about a certain group of people, 
You know, we might have a stereotype in my, our mind about them. So when we meet somebody from that particular group, you know, we're going to act in a certain way. You know, if we if we think a certain group of people is bad, we're going to act negatively towards them in a way that elicits, elicits that behavior from them. And they're going to act in a way that confirms it. And it's the same way if we think that we're going to fail. You know, if I'm going to go out and train for a triathlon and I think there's no way in fucking hell I'm going to be able to finish this triathlon or if I'm going to thrive, what do you think is going to happen? I'm probably not going to put as much effort towards it because in my mind, I've already failed. I think, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to finish this or I'm going to do badly. So I'm going to blow off my workout. So I'm going to eat a bunch of shit. And lo and behold, come race day, what's going to happen? I didn't train right. I didn't fuel my body right. So yeah, the race is going to be a garbage race. And so maintaining a positive attitude about you know what's going forward, you need to be patient. You need to realize that it took you many, many years to get to the lousy physical shape that you might be in right now, sometimes decades. So it's not going to change overnight. You know, going out and walking around the block once and, you know, eating salads for a day, that's not going to get you there. It's consistency. It's hitting singles every fucking day and having that consistency day in and day out. And that's what's going to get you there. You don't have to try to hit the grand slam every time up. You know, look at baseball. You know, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, the guys that have three, you know, you get 3,000 hits. You are pretty much a lock to make the Hall of Fame. And those guys that have 3,000 hits, they're showing up day in and day out. And more days than not, they're getting singles. They're getting hits. They're not going up there always swinging for the fences. Sometimes they do, depending on the situation, depending on what kind of pitch they get. But they're not swinging for the fences every single time. And you don't have to swing for the fences every single time because that's not going to happen. The guys in the in baseball who swung for the fences all the time, they might have hit some really cool tape measure home runs, but they also probably hit in the low 200s and they struck out a whole fucking lot. So... Singles, singles every day, really trying to, actually, fuck that, not even trying, getting consistency. There is no freaking try anymore. Trying is a, a, another excuse that, that ties into our self-talk too. If we say we're going to try to do something, we're already giving ourselves an out for not doing it. Do it. Move forward. You might do it and you might not do it well, but don't say try. Don't act like you have an alternative. Don't act like you have a plan B. Do it. Go all in. Act as though you don't have any other choice in the matter. Act as though there's nothing there waiting for you if you don't succeed. Go to the island and put yourself on that island and get it done and burn the fucking boat. Burn the bridge to get back. When you're in, you're all in for better or worse. And that's the other idea that you have to have. Make this urgent. Make it as though it is a priority and that, you know, it's it's not an option. You know, people think physical health, it's a, it's a luxury and it's something to be better, but it's not an option because your demise will come. You know, I, I hear people say all the time, you know, oh, well, well you only live once or um, oh, I'm, I'm going to eat that pizza. You, you guys are you, out there struggling and starving yourselves and to try to be fit and I'm okay. I'm, I'm fat. You know what? No, there is no dignity in being fat and overweight and unhealthy. There's, there's no dignity in it. There is nothing to be proud of with that. Get your ass in shape. 
You don't have to be a fitness model, but you need to get your ass in shape because it's going to translate to all other aspects of your well-being. It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to, you know, it's going to affect your whole fucking quality of life. It's going to affect your ability to get out and do stuff. How are you going to do stuff with your family? You've got young kids. How are you going to go out and take them and run around with them You know, if you can't even move off the couch and you're huffing and puffing after you walk 10 feet? Not going to work. So I don't want to hear, like I said, I don't want to hear you only live once or I'm, I'm going to eat all this. I'm going to have these, uh, this pizza and this large pastrami sandwich every day. Um, you know, I might die early, but I'll die happy. No, no. It, you know, that's, that's being selfish. That's not thinking about your kids. That's not thinking about the, the other people around you. That's not thinking of about your household and supporting your family and leaving everybody else to clean up your mess because you're too fucking lazy to take care of your health. So attitude is going to be very, very important in thinking positively and remembering your why. And you got to have a reason to do so. You have to have a motivation. And that's the other thing. I don't want you saying, okay, I've got my motivation for doing this because it's, you know, my wife wants me to do it. Um, that can't be your chief motive. It, it can be. It can be a motivating factor. Absolutely, um, doing it for your kids can be a motivating factor. Absolutely, but your chief motivation has to be for you. It can't be any extrinsic factor. It can't be because you're doing a challenge and you're going to get a big prize. Because oh, I'm you know, if I'm the biggest loser, you're having this biggest loser competition at work. Because yeah, you might lose weight. You might get a little prize at the end and have some bragging rights. But you know what? Afterwards, you're going to go right back to doing the same shit that you were doing before. Motivation has to be intrinsic. Intrinsic motivation, which means it's not an external reward or goal. It's internally rewarding and fulfilling for you. And that's what's going to keep you coming back. You know, when it comes to going to the gym, you know what? You might not think that there's anything pleasant about it, but you need to find what's pleasant about it. Find what's pleasant about that bike ride or that swim or that run or when you're lifting those weights or you're going to that hit or Tabata class or the aerobics class or whatever it is that you're doing to get your ass moving. Find what is intrinsically motivated because I guarantee you, you do it enough times, there's going to be something intrinsically motivated. Maybe it's a group workout and you're loving the fact that you get to be around other people. You know, Maybe you've been isolated for a long time, so you're making new friends. Maybe that blood gets flowing and it's pumping endorphins like a motherfucker and all of a sudden you start moving around and you were depressed earlier and now you're feeling like a world beater. Maybe you're lifting and you're looking at yourself in the mirror while you got that big pump and you're seeing cuts and lines that are starting to form. Maybe this is your time of day that you don't have you know, kids that you're constantly chasing around. Or maybe you don't have your boss or somebody in your ear uh, giving you shit. And so this is your alone time. This is your me time. And so find it. Find that intrinsic motivation. And I guarantee you if you can do that, that will keep you very much on course. And you will keep coming back in day in and day out. And you will put in the fucking work. I guarantee you find your motivation and that's that that was actually my second point the second skill that you know talked about from dr lessig and need to maintain a high level of motivation and because you're not looking at the you know you're not looking at the external goals or monetary goals you're doing it because you have the internal motivation of wanting to win 
wanting to win for yourself. So the next element, and which is something I preach over and over and over again, and this is something that's for athletes for performance. This is something that's, you know, when you're trying to do fitness goals, whether it's to build more muscle, more muscle mass, trying to lose weight, trying to lose fat, trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, whatever it is that you're trying to do is goal setting. And you will hear me preach about this over and over and over again. And, you know, probably ad nauseum. If you aren't recording what you're doing right now, you need to start. You need to set goals. You need to be planning your shit. You need to, you know, I need to be able to ask you what it is that you're going to be doing for a workout today, tomorrow, and the day after that. Also, what you're going to be eating today, tomorrow, or the day after that. If you're not having that planned, then you are missing the boat, my friends. You need to record. How in the hell are you going to know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? You need to be able to measure. You need to have something that's realistic. You know, if, if you're only able to run a mile, you're not going to set your goal for tomorrow to go out and run 13. Not going to happen. What, you know, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to come up short, and then you're going to feel like you failed. You're going to be demoralized, and then you're going to quit. So, not realistic. If you ran a mile yesterday, then tomorrow. Maybe shoot for extending, you know, running a mile and a quarter, maybe even a mile and a half. Make it challenging, moderately challenging. You don't want to make it too easy either. You don't want to just say, okay, well, I'm just going to run a half mile because that's not going to push you if you're doing it at the same pace. So you need to have goals that are very specific. You need to have what's called an operational definition for how you're going to measure your goal. What's an operation definition? How in the heck are you going to measure it? Because the second point is measuring. I want to get stronger. Okay, well, how are you going to measure that? What does that mean I'm going to be stronger? Uh, am I measuring how many push-ups I can do before failure? How many push-ups I can do in a minute? Um, how much weight I can bench press when I'm you know, going for max effort, maxing out uh, for maximal strength on the, you know, in stage four of the personal training OPT model? Um, what is it? How are you going to operationally def define what it is that you are going for? So this that that is you know goal setting is going to be everything. Think of the acronym SMART: specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. When are you going to do it? You know, if you're going to you know do that uh, marathon. Have a race, you know, you schedule the race, you put that dart on the board, and then you have timely goals about how far you're going to be able to run and at what pace by which date, and you work your way up to it incrementally. If you don't have that plan, if you don't have those small goals in place before you get to that ultimate goal, then you are going to be once again screwed. So next step is dealing effectively with people. You know, successful athletes have to do this. Uh, even if you are an individual athlete, you are still going to have coaches. You're going to have other people that you work with. You can, none of us can do this by ourselves. We have coaches. We have managers. We have other, you know, tournament officials, and you know, we have our fellow athletes that are out there. Even our competition. And you need to be able to deal effectively with folks. You need to be able to operate proper self-talk if someone's talking shit to you. But you need to be able to get along with everybody too. 
you know, because, you know, eventually you're going to get in the wrong situation. You're going to get a pissing, you know, pissing contest with somebody and they're going to be in a position where you're going to lose that pissing contest. Or if you're on a team, you need to be able to interact and communicate well with other people. You need to be able to voice your needs and be assertive and not, uh, you know, you know, to bring the best out of your teammates. You need to be able to communicate with your coach and be able to listen effectively and not just go out there and play, but be able to listen effectively to what your coach is saying and be able to take constructive criticism. And um, and it's, it's the same way with, uh, you know, it, it, with fitness. You need to be able to communicate your needs, you know, what your pain points are effectively with your personal trainer. You need to be able to communicate effectively with your family about what it is that you're going to need in the time. You know, if you're you know, trying to spend some time getting fit with your, you know, and you're, and you're working with your spouse and you have young kids and trying to work out the schedule and, you know, trying to be able to communicate and compromise so that you can take the time to get yourself physically fit again, that is going to be paramount. So being able to, you know, relate effectively with people, deal effectively with people. So, uh, using positive self-talk, that's another effective skill. That kind of goes back into the attitude. What is it that I am saying to myself? What am I saying to myself about self? What am I saying to myself about the world? What am I saying to myself about the future? You know, it's not situations that make us feel a certain way. You know, they don't make us feel depressed. They don't make us feel anxious. They don't make us feel angry. It's what are we saying to ourselves about self, world, and future, that negative cognitive triad that is getting in our way. And that's probably one of the biggest limiters that we have. You know, especially, you know, negative thoughts about the future. We think for sure, you know, maybe something happened to us once before, it's going to happen again. We think in our minds, it's going to fail. How do you know? You can't let every single thought that comes in your mind be something that you take as absolute gospel and truth. You need to challenge that fucking shit. You need to shoot holes in it. You need to collect data. Do you think pharmaceutical companies, you know, they have one piece of data or one thought about a medication that's going to work and put it out there? For all the public to use and take? Fuck no. They're going to collect data, thousands of pieces of data, tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands of pieces of data to validate, empirically validate whether that medication works before they're going to put it on the market. And you should be collecting as much data as possible when you're managing your own thoughts about yourself, about the world, about the future, about what's going to happen, what you can do, about you as a person, you know, before you start, you know, letting these thoughts creep in and you start assassinating your own character. You need to collect data to see if there's any validity, any proof, any actual data or evidence to show that all these negative thoughts are even true. I can guarantee you more often than not, probably 90% of the time, these negative thoughts that creep in your head, these automatic thoughts, they are not true. They are not going to be true at all. And so really being able to use that positive self-talk and... Um, talk about what you can do. Sometimes it's a matter of restructuring how we say something. I don't want to hear my clients say, I can't do something. It's, you know, can't means, you know, it's all or nothing. I don't want you saying all these things like, I should be doing better. Um, you know, I, I should be running faster. I should be running harder. I should be, should, should, should. You're shooting all over yourself, like Albert Ellis used to say. Um, you know, or I have to, I want to, you know, I want to is better, but I have to, I need to, I must, I ought, you know, you know, I must do this. I must not. Once again, you know, Al, Albert Ellis and his, uh, 
in his great uh, tact, he used to say that people were masturbating. So if you're masturbating, you know, you're, that's not good self-talk because you're setting an arbitrary bar, a bar that's arbitrarily high, and you, if you fall anywhere short of that bar, you feel like you fucking failed. And this is our first podcast, and I know it's, you know, it's probably not the most perfect thing. I stumble upon my words. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit technologically challenged when it comes to figuring these things out. But you know what? We're getting out there, and we're fucking doing it. And I know it's going to get better. We're going to get more experience, and we are going to push the envelope and deliver good content for you guys. And so, I mean, I, I could easily say, oh, it's going to be a fail. People are going to hate it. People are going to laugh. And we, we may have our detractors. You know, I don't care. People are going to be out there that do appreciate it. And, you know, other people, other things can stop you. Not part of good self-talk. Other things can stop you and control you as much as you allow them to. And so this is something that's intrinsically motivated for me and for Zach. And we are going to deliver the good content to you. And because this is what's important. This is what needs to happen. There is a huge need for mindset and mental health in this country. More than ever, you know, everybody thinks because we have all these conveniences and all this technology and everything else, you know, that we're going to have more peace of mind, but it's not making life any easier. Life, the world is getting more complex and people are spending more time looking at screens and looking at each other in the eye and it's causing more complications. People are getting cyber bullied and um, it's just making things more complex. You know, we have all these extra conveniences, yet we still have less time. So, you know, now more than ever, we need changes in how we focus in, in our mindset and how we approach the world. And it's, you know, we need guidance more than ever in terms of our characteristic ways of thinking, feeling, and acting. So, next mental skill next mental skill that is huge uh, and when I say huge I mean I, I, I believe so much in this I actually did my doctoral dissertation on this is the use of imagery imagery is huge because it is an extra mental practice for you good free throw shooters before they Step to the line. They're you know they're visualizing visualizing that ball going through the hoop. Good golfers are visualizing that ball going in the cup. And studies have shown that athletes who do visualize the positive outcome tend to have more positive outcomes in real life when they actually go through and take the shot. And so, it is a tremendous way of enhancing your confidence. It's a tremendous way of enhancing your motivation. Uh, as a personal trainer, when I have a client who is not motivated to go into the gym, I have them do some guided imagery before going in or before starting the workout. Um, you know, I, I work in skilled nursing rehab facilities and you know, I have patients who are fearful of walking because they've had a fall and they've maybe broken a hip or broken their arm. And so they are petrified and phobic of being able to walk. And so I have them do that guided imagery before they stand up to try to walk because it's a mental practice and they visualize the positive outcome and they visualize success and then they see all the things that they want to do and 
rather than not do. And that's another good, that brings to mind another good cardinal rule is think about what to do rather than what not to do. If you think about what not to do, you know, if, let's face it, folks. I can tell you, whatever you do, don't think about pink elephants. What are you going to do? You're going to think about fucking pink elephants. Not think about fucking pink elephants, but think about pink elephants. Um, and so, yeah, you are not going to have good outcomes. If I have you focus on what to do, that puts the positive things in your mind. What are your goals? Your goal should be to do something. You shouldn't have your goals to not do something. Dead man rule. That's what my old behavior therapy professor called it. You can't set your goal to not do something because a dead man cannot do something. You need to focus on what to do. And guided imagery is going to be a great way to help you do that. You know, so you're imagining it, you're relaxed, and it's, it's going to put the positive image of success in your mind. And like I said, it's going to give you confidence and it's going to give you more motivation. And so anybody who's going to be successful as an athlete, they're going to be used in positive mental imagery. So one of the next skills that I want to talk to you about is managing anxiety effectively. Anxiety is so debilitating and it, it, it can affect us in so many different ways in our performance. I know for athletes, you know, the wrong level of arousal or anxiety is going to really narrow your focus to um, you're only going to see a small portion of the picture and, but anxiety, I mean, it's going to affect your, your physiological response. I mean, we all know about the fight or flight response. I mean, if I'm all keyed up and anxious, you know, my heart rate's going to be all out of whack. My breathing's going to be all out of whack. And if I'm going in thinking that, you know, if I'm feeling fearful or not as good as this person, or if I'm anxious because I'm thinking I'm going to get hurt, um, this is going to be very much something that gets in our way and uh, it's going to make me tentative. It's going to make my muscles, you know, if I'm a tennis player, if I'm getting anxious toward the end of the match, you know, I, I'm going to start getting tentative. I'm going to start not going for the shots that I should go for. And I'll just be trying to keep the ball in play and, um, try not to make errors. And, you know, when, when anxiety creeps in, you start playing not to lose instead of playing to win. So anxiety is going to creep in tremendously. So, yeah, if, if you can't modulate, if you can't manage your anxiety, you're going to have a hard time. you got to manage other emotions effectively. That's another skill. You need to manage, you know, depression. You need to manage your anger. I mean, if we're depressed and we're having negative thoughts, you know, thoughts of negative self-worth, you know, if we're feeling doom and gloom, hopeless and helpless, and, um, you know, feeling like we don't deserve to win. And, you know, I've told that story on those of you who follow me on uh, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, I, I had a client years ago at the VA who he was in the track, track and field state championships. And he was winning his race. And he pulled up shortly before the end of the race. He was about to win. He pulled up because he didn't feel he deserved to win. And, yeah, I know that sounds strange and out there, but... That can happen. If you don't feel deserving or worthy of winning, you're not going to put forth the effort into yourself so that you can be successful, whether it be as a as an athlete who is trying to be elite or if you're someone who's just trying to get in shape. You have to value yourself and you have to put yourself first. There is such thing as a healthy level of selfishness and people who have that self-worth 
they're not going to feel bad about taking that level of selfishness because you know what, that's, you know, that, that's another leg of the table. You know, we, our, our family is one leg of our table, but ourselves and our physical fitness are one leg of the table. Guess what? If one leg of the table is wobbly or broken, the whole table goes down. So you're taking care of yourself. That makes you a better husband or wife or a better lover. It's going to make you a better parent. It's going to make you a better employee. All aspects of your life are going to improve. So it's not, it's not selfish because it's going to make you that much better for everybody else in your life around you. So, but as far as managing depression is concerned, this is, you know, whether it's depression, managing anger. I mean, there's things that are going to happen that are going to piss you off. You know, you, you see guys in the basketball court and the football field, and these people are talking shit to each other constantly. And of course they're doing, they're trying to get in your head. So you need to be able to manage your emotions correctly. You know, if the guy says something about your mother, you know, after he, you know, puts you down for a sack or after he burns you on the court, says something about your mother, are you going to haul off and punch him? You know, can you manage your anger? If you don't, you're hurting your team, you're hurting yourself. You, know, you, get, a, you get a technical foul, you get yourself thrown out of the game. You get you take yourself out of the game mentally because you're worried about getting back at him instead of, you know, beating his ass the right way, which is by scoring more points and and winning the game. So they take you people take you out of your game. So you need to manage your emotions effectively. Same kind of thing with uh, with working out. There's going to be times where you try to lift that weight and it does it's not going to go up for you. Um, you're not going to get uh, you know you're not going to get that time. You're not going to to run that that fast run split the way you want to run it. And it's going to be discouraging. It's going to be upsetting. It's going to piss you off. How are you going to manage it? Are you going to get back on the horse or are you going to hang it up and quit? Managing your emotions effectively, depression, anger, whatever it might be, huge. So, and the last thing is focus. You know, what are the things that you do? You know, what are you focusing on when you're going to work out? Um, consciousness is something that really really like people to focus on because you know and this this is a point that i heard in another podcast and it's just it really really is very telling and it's um it's about being aware of what you're doing while you're doing it and the best uh, the best analogy they said is that oftentimes people will play the notes but they're not they're hit they hit the notes but they're not playing the music and I see that so often when people are doing their workouts. They're they're showing up to the gym and they're, you know, doing the, you know, they're doing the repetitions, but you know, they in the end, you know what, they can probably click off on their little sheet that they did X number of reps at X weight and and whatnot, but are they doing it right? Are they are they going and lifting, you know, one set for 45 seconds and then walking around for 10 minutes, talking to people, shooting the shit, texting on their phone, you know, and then come back, you know, five, 10 minutes later and then do another set when they're, while they're doing the sets, are they doing the proper tempo? Are they, you know, actually taking some time so that the muscle has time under tension to really benefit or are they just throwing, you know, throwing the bicep curls up or throwing their weight up with really shitty form. And you need to be focused. You need to be aware. You need to be in the here and now. You know, if you're a cyclist, are you just out there on a ride just to get in the time? Like when I was on my bike this morning, you know, 45 minutes on the bike. Am I just out there pedaling and having a little joy ride just to get my 45 minutes in to say I did it? Or am I pushing myself? 
Am I looking at that power meter and seeing what the wattage is being, you know, is saying is, is being spit out? And am I focusing on my cadence and, you know, making sure my pedal stroke is consistent and um, keeping a, you know, a steady speed and steady effort throughout? And am I focusing on my nutrition while I'm riding to make sure that I don't bonk? So really being able to focus and be aware in the here and now and not just go on this autopilot and just be turning the crank and trying to check things off. Need to be able to focus. So that's, uh, so those are a lot of skills of successful athletes and they translate over to being successful skills for people that are trying to reach any fitness goal. Like I said, whether you are the elite athlete trying to just get over the hump or maybe take that fraction of a second off of your 100-meter time or whether you're someone who's overweight and on the couch and just trying to start moving again. These are going to be effective mental skills for everybody because like I said before, the greatest limiters that we have when it comes to physical hit, fitness or performance, many, probably the majority of them are self-imposed and we are our own worst enemy. We hold ourselves back. And, but in the end, you, me, all of us who are trying to better ourselves, we are the agent of change. We have control over things. There's a lot of factors out there that can get in our way if we allow them to. You know, we can, you know, with 75 hard, I've been put, I've had temptations put in front of me countless times. I've even put them in front of myself because I've got kids and just because I'm doing 75 hard doesn't mean they have to do it. So I've taken them to get pizza. I've taken them multiple times to get ice cream or other kind of you know fatty or greasy foods or desserts, and I've watched them eat it. And but the thing that's helped me is realizing that I've put in this work so far, and I've put in you know this sacrifice for seventy five five hard to make myself better mentally and physically. And an ice cream cone or a piece of pizza. That's not worth it for me. That's not worth squandering this opportunity that I have to level up. The moral of the story here is these things are not more powerful than you are. You are still, and if there's one thing I, that you guys take away from today is that you are the agent of change, not the external factors. It's easy to chalk up things to external factors and say that they control you. And that's why you know I, I don't believe in luck. You won't hear me wish people good luck very often unless they're going to a surgery because I think we make our own luck. I mean, you've got an exam or you've got a race or a big event coming up to, you know, you make your own luck by doing the work. And so you can't leave things up to external factors. If you put in the work, that gives you control back over your life. So anyhow, guys, it, that's all we got for the show. And... If you like the show, if you something resonated for you or think it might resonate for somebody else, as I said, leave us a five-star review and um, please pass it on to your friends and we will be back with more. And uh, as always, be good to yourselves.